The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or Cubist, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, otherwise known as DIVBIC. I am your host today, Betsy Meyer. I am a nurse practitioner here at DIVBIC. In the first episode of the third season of Cubist, I'll be talking with Dr. Donald Marion. Dr. Marion is a neurosurgeon at DIVBIC. Don and I will discuss a study entitled Suicide and Traumatic Brain Injury Among Individuals Seeking Veterans Health Administration Services Between Fiscal Years 2006 and 2015 by Tricia Hostetter and colleagues and published in the Journal of Head Trauma and Rehabilitation, September 2019. As a reminder, if you're in crisis or are concerned about a service member or veteran in your life, get help now. The Veterans Crisis Line staffs qualified responders waiting to help 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or visit www.veterancrisisline.net. That's veterancrisisline.net. Hi, Don. Thanks for bringing this great article to our attention today. Can you tell me what were the key findings of this study? Sure. In a study of a very large uh, Veterans Administration healthcare database, a history of traumatic brain injury, or TBI, was found to increase the risk for suicide and other psychiatric conditions by more than twofold. Specifically, the rate of suicide was 86 per 100,000 person years for those with TBI, compared with 37 per 100,000 person years for those without a history of TBI. Veterans with a history of TBI also had a two to four times higher prevalence of psychiatric diagnoses compared with those who did not suffer a TBI, with PTSD being the most common. The prevalence of depression in the MTBI group was 68.1%. The group was 93% male, and the median age was 56 years. The incidence of suicide among 7% of women in the cohort was less than half that of men. Only 9.7% of the cohort had a moderate to severe TBI, but the risk of suicide was highest in that group. And finally, the most common mechanism of suicide was firearms at 68%. Okay, so this was a big database that they reviewed. Can you tell us exactly how they did that? So it was a retrospective cohort study of individuals who used the Veterans Administration healthcare system and included both inpatient and outpatients uh, between October 2005 and September of 2015. It was done by reviewing the Veterans Administration electronic medical record or the EMR. Veterans must have had at least two visits, a minimum of 90 days apart, to be included. Those who had a history of neurodegenerative diseases known to be associated with suicide were excluded. A history of TBI was identified by ICD-9 codes, and a total of 215,610 eligible veterans with a history of TBI were identified. A random sample of 1,187,639 veterans without TBI codes in their electronic medical record were selected for comparison. A history of psychiatric conditions prior to or during the study time frame 
were also captured using ICD-9 diagnostic codes and included depression or other mood disorders, bipolar disorder, psychiatric disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorder, and substance use disorder. Death by suicide was captured using data from the Veterans Administration Department of Defense Suicide Data Repository, which contains all-cause mortality data from the National Death Index, or NDI. The NDI is considered the gold standard for capturing cause and date of death. For analyses examining suicide method, two mutually exclusive suicide outcomes were considered. So this was a a dichotomized analysis. So in the one arm, firearm suicide uh, was uh, recorded, and in the second, suicide by all other means, including such things as hanging, self-poisoning, or drowning. Cox proportional hazards modeling was then used to estimate hazards ratios, and models were run to adjust for age, gender, psychiatric conditions, comorbidities, and other chronic conditions. Thanks, Don. Was there any information about pre-morbid suicide risk? That's a, that's a great question, uh, Betsy. Uh, suicide was more common among those veterans with depression, bipolar disorder, substance use disorder, and anxiety disorder. But it would also have been helpful to know about suicidal intent in previous attempts. For example, what proportion disclosed their suicidal intent to others and what proportion had a history of previous suicide attempts. Also, it is known that alcohol use immediately prior to the incident, criminal legal problems, and financial or job problems are risk factors for suicide. But because of the methods used to conduct this study, none of this information was available. Okay. I think, I think it also would have been interesting to know if the veterans had retired from the military or they had been voluntarily or involuntarily released from active duty or if they had been medically separated or retired. So how do these suicide numbers compare with the non-veteran general public? According to CDC statistics from 2017, the incidence of suicides among men between the ages of 45 and 64 was 30.1 per 100,000. And I I selected that age group because the mean age in this veteran population was uh, in their mid-50s. Okay, so you just described the incidence here as per 100,000. But for the VA study, you use the term per 100,000 person years. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the difference between those two categories? Sure, Betsy. When, when investigators are looking at the incidence of a disease in a defined cohort over a specified number of years, it's appropriate to use the term person years. But if the question is just, what is the incidence now, then person years is not used. If the populations are reasonably similar, both statistics are comparable. All right. So one of the other things that you talked about was that the investigators also analyzed the method of suicide, the firearm compared to other types of suicide. Can you speak a little bit more about the outcome of that? Sure. So they dichotomize this analysis, as I said before, to firearms versus all other means of suicide, such as hanging, self-poisoning, or drowning. Firearms with a method of suicide in 68% of the group as a whole. However, in those with a history of moderate or severe TBI, firearms were actually used by 78%. Looked at in another way, the odds of suicide by firearms in veterans with a history of moderate or severe TBI were 2.39 times the odds of suicide by firearm for those without a TBI. All right. So what were the limitations of this study? 
Probably uh, one of the main ones was that only 7% of the TBI cohort in the study were women, so I think it may be inappropriate to assume that the findings of the study apply to women. As I mentioned before, there's unfortunately no information about suicide attempts, substance use prior to the act, or financial-slash-job status, all of which could have helped providers effectively intervene. What are the key takeaways from this study? So I think the most important thing that I took from the study, Betsy, was that a history of TBI appears to increase the risk of suicide among veterans. While the risk of veterans with no history of TBI is close to similarly aged non-veteran U.S. population of men, that is 37 per 100,000 person years versus 30.1 per 100,000 respectively, it is about twice as common in veteran men with a history of TBI. The findings of the study emphasize the need for providers of VA health care to attempt to identify any history of TBI and to include lethal means safety into their homes or rehabilitation settings. However, it should also be emphasized that the incidence of suicide among veterans with a history of TBI at 86 per 100,000 is still less than 0.1%. That's a really great point. Thanks for emphasizing that, Don. I would also say, I think for, as a primary care manager, for me, you know, just asking your veterans and being aware that people that have had a history of TBI and especially moderate, severe, maybe at increased risk for suicide. Um, so just questioning, do you have access to a firearm in your home and how do you how do you secure that firearm in your home? That's a great point. And I, I would say too, uh, based on my previous practice, that it's often not an obvious question that you would ask about a history of TBI, especially in a 50 or 60 year old right. veteran that comes into your clinic. You may be more focused on their hypertension or their diabetes, but right. um, yeah, like, uh, this points out that it's really important to ask. Sure, uh, sure, and just your you know annual screening to ask those questions. This has been a really great article. Thanks so much for highlighting it. That's all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed this quick literature update. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Betsy Meyer. It is a product of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, U.S. Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode. Next time, we will discuss TBI research getting attention in the mainstream press.